All right, it's time for stories that are made up with your host, Dad. So sit back and let's get to the story. Here's episode number three, The Rise to Godfather. The story will be a multi-part story, so let's get started with part one, The Beginning. Sit down there. I'm going to take you through my rise to becoming the godfather of the Cap crime family. The most powerful crime family in the country, according to the FBI. So like any good story, let's start at the beginning of my crime career. I didn't start out like most mafia members. Being a teen in a small town, I ran with troublemakers. We did petty crimes and small-time drug dealing, you know, like pot, you know, small things. For the most part, it was considered shenanigans. No one got into any real trouble back then. For me, though, that would end when a childhood friend of mine came back after getting out of the juvenile detention center, jail for the most part. He went by the nickname Bear, a husky guy, medium height. He definitely could hold his own. You could tell that when I first seen him. He was one tough son of a bitch and loved to do crimes. So we started running together. First, we started selling some weed. We did pretty well with that. Bear had this guy that had got pounds of weed for us all the time. He had a good connect there, so we were known for around town for always having product for sale and to be able to buy a bag at any time around the clock from us. We were making money hand over fist that time. Me and Bear knew some kids in town that had cops in their family, so we would befriend them then get them to give us info on the cops' activities. We had them kids telling us everything. That's how we would stay ahead of the police, never drawing attention to ourselves. Three years into our pot business, a chance meeting would set us up on to Chicago to where we would learn and elevate our criminal skills. See, I had met a high-ranking gang member from the south side of Chicago through a real good customer of mine. It was his cousin called Winky. That was the gang member's name, which always made me laugh, but I never let him know that. He was kind of a serious guy. So me and Winky hit it off kind of quick. I had him over for a sit down and a discussion on some businesses we could work on together. See, the way it worked out between us would be me and Bear would go up to Chicago and spend about three weeks running with Winky and his gang learning. Well then, me and Bear had headed on up to Chicago to stay with Winky. And on our first day there, he had witnessed a drive-by, mugging, and a couple rolling shootouts. The Wild West had got nothing on Chicago's south side in the 90s, I'll tell you that much. It was really something else back then. Now, Bear, he really took to the game-banging lifestyle. As for me, eh, not at all. I'm, I like doing crimes, though, but it wasn't for me. We learned a lot from Winky and his guys. They showed us many scams and what I like to call gigs for making money. After three weeks ended, we returned from Chicago where we had a new lucrative gig, Coke. We added cocaine to the list of drugs. The Coke sales took off like a shot. We were selling, uh, for about three months when Winky came to visit. He introduced us to this new thing then called crack cocaine. 
He showed us how to make it, how to price it. This put us on a whole new level, in our area at least. Now, for a year and a half, everything was running smooth. We were making so much money, it was so beautiful. Then one day, we got a call from Winky. He requested me and Bear come see him right away. Now, I didn't ask any questions. I just understood it. You gotta go. I got Bear. We packed and headed to Chicago. On the way there, Bear and I didn't say a whole lot. I had a million things going through my mind. And I was more or less preparing for anything and everything. And it was looking like, like Bear was too. We soon had arrived and pulled up in front of Winky's place where two guys had met us out front and they brought us around the house to the back where the garage apartment was off the alley. We walked up the stairs to the apartment and walked in where Winky and three pretty big guys looked like enforcers to me were sitting there. Me and Bear entered and our two escorts stood outside the door. Oh crap. Inside, Winky and two others were sitting on a couch. One of the other guys were sitting on love seat. They had two armchairs set up facing them for me and Bear to sit in. I could see Bear was as nervous as I was. Then Winky began to tell us why we were summoned. He told us his two cousins had broke a rule of the gangs and had to be dealt with. But there was a problem. He couldn't do anything to his cousins without causing a huge issue. And Winky's family, like his mom and his aunts and others, along with his other gang associates. So here we are. We were brought in to handle the problem. With them not knowing who me and Bear were, it would be easy for us to get in and out with no one knowing. Now, here was the plan. Winky sent each cousin to do a collection, so to speak. One cousin was sent to a motel about 25 miles outside of town. This one is mine to take care of. The other cousin was sent to a house on the east side to pick up pay off for the family. Bear was to take this one. Well, here's how Bear's job went. The cousin shows up to Winky's associate's place for the pickup. He's let in and brought to the dining room where Bear had plastic the floor. Winky's associate used the old I'm painting excuse for the plastic. Bear even had paint cans and a paintbrush laying around to help with throwing him off. He gets only about three or four steps in the room when he stops, turns, and starts running out the place. Bear gives chase. The cousin made it as far, about as far as the gutter across the street. When buried from the porch, fires off. One hitting him in the head and one through the back, blowing out his heart from the front of his chest. The cousin dropped like a piece of meat hitting the pavement. Bear runs down across the street, grabs the body, a car pulls up. He tosses the body into the trunk and off they go. Now with the plan gone to shit, Bear decides on going to the harbor to dispose of the body. Bear used an army duffel bag to put the body in and rocks to weigh it down. Then Bear dumped it in the water and watched it sink and disappear. Now that's done, Bear headed back to Winky's place.
Hi folks, I'm Dad. And I'm Son. We are the host of Coffee Bar Stories Podcast. And season two starts this November, and with that we've added my brother Bubba to help host the show. And we also have added new stories and some special extras. We are really looking forward to entertaining you this season. Coffee Bar Stories is a DTZ Entertainment presentation. Hey everyone, I'm Bubba, the newest host of Coffee Bar Stories. Dad, son, and I are excited to bring in season two to y'all. Expect some new stories, guests, and several other new goodies for everyone. So keep your eyes out for Coffee Bar Stories season two coming this November. Coffee Bar Stories is a DTZ entertainment presentation. Okay, now, at the hotel, I had registered under the name of the person the cousin was sent to collect from. I had set up the room for him. The cousin walks into the room and has his pistol pulled and ready for anything. He steps in a few feet when my little distraction starts. It got his attention so I could come from the closet and get my garrote around his neck and choke him to death. I had pulled the garage so hard I damn near decapitated him. Well, I packed up the body, cleaned up the room, then I took the body into a field in the middle of nowhere. There was no chance of it ever being found. When I finished, I headed back to the Winkies to fill him in. After me and Bear had got, Winky caught up to speed and updated him on everything that had gone down. He paid us, thanked us for our work, then we headed on home. We went right back to running our business again. Three months later, Winky calls again and asks us to return to Chicago. He sounds in a panic, kinda. We pack up again and headed back up to Winky's place. Me and Bear were concerned about Winky giving us no detail and just in a panic for us to get up there as fast as possible. When we pulled up, Winky was outside waiting on us. By the look on his face, I could see there was something really wrong. And the good thing is, we were not the problem. We get out of the car and greet Winky and head on in, into his place. Inside, there was 20 or so people, members of Winky's gang. Bear and I sat down at the kitchen table with Winky and three other high-ranking members. They explained that Winky's two cousins had robbed a loan shark that's tied to the Mafia, and even though the two were dead, they still wanted their money, and started applying pressure on Winky and other gang members. They wanted me and Bear to take out the loan shark. They thought it would send a message of strength, but I knew the killing would be a bad idea. Messing with the mafia like that never turns out good. But we were in no position to argue with Winky and them. Besides, Bear's getting hyped up about it. He's thrown around the gang slang, so I knew I'm the one that's going to have to keep a cool head and figure out how to deal with this, or we all might end up dead. After going over one idea after another, I decided just to go to the loan shark myself to cut a deal and save all our skins. 
Because Bear is a loose cannon. He'll get us all fucking killed. So I took off and set up a private meeting with the loan shark. We met at a cafe downtown. I sat down with him as he began with a rant and rave about the situation. I just sat there and let him get it all out. There's nothing else I could do. Just kept nodding my head and apologizing. Then I asked him what could be done to fix this problem since the two cousins were dead. He got a smile on his face and then let me know if I can get $100,000 to him in 12 hours, he will call it even. I knew there was no way Winky could get that much money up in that short of time. So I came up with a plan on the quick. I told him if I could collect from three of his latest owed the most debt to him, would he consider that? He looked at me and said, any three I choose in the same 12 hour limit? All right. Then he handed me a list of three names and amounts. With the list in hand, I set out to track them down. The first one I found from the list, Dallas Ryder. He's a 60 grand collection. Dallas was quite easy to find. A good old creature of habit. He loved the strip clubs and the gambling. Dallas owned a chain of laundry mats, but his gambling losses and strip club habit, that's why money was always tight. At a strip club, I had sent in a security guard to find him. The security guard was told when he found him to tell him that something was wrong with his car that he had been messed with. Dallas goes to the parking lot to look at his car when I drive up, get out, and walk up, and before he knows it, I tased him and dumped him in the trunk and drove off to an abandoned warehouse. Getting there, I pulled inside and took Dallas out of the trunk. He was talking a thousand miles an hour. Now, without saying a word, I grabbed him and dragged him over to a table and put his left arm on the tabletop and took out a hatchet and chopped off his left hand and then punched him in the mouth. Then, as he's whimpering, I explained he had less than an hour to get 70 grand or I was gonna go full-blown psycho torture on him. You know, it's amazing. One phone call and 45 minutes later, the fucking money shows up. I kept my word. I got the money and let Dallas go. I went back to the loan shark and handed him the 70 grand. He looked at me and before he could speak, I told him, I taxed the fucking guy for making you wait that long for your money. It's the least thing I could do. I could see that surprised him and impressed him also. I set up the next two by kidnapping. Number two on the list, Brad owed 55 grand. Number three on the list, Jerry owed 47 grand. They both are huge degenerate gamblers. They could never turn down a high stakes card game. I set it up where they went to this rundown motel. When they entered, I tased them and then knocked them out. While they were out, I put them in chairs and taped one of their arms to the chair and the other arm I duct taped their wrist and forearm to the table. 
I woke them both up, and as they stared at me, I took my hatchet and cut off the fingers of each of them. They tried to scream, but the duct tape on their mouths prevented that. After five minutes, I explained the money or their families. Then I took the tape off Jerry's mouth, and he made his phone call for the money. He also had the ability to get the money ready quickly, which was good for him. Then I gave Brad his chance to get the money that he owed. Now Brad, luck wasn't as good as the other guys. He placed several phone calls, panicking phone calls, till finally getting it together. After I got the money picked up, I let them both go, went to the loan shark, gave him the money like I did the first time, and stood there, and as he was looking at me, going through all the money, I could tell I made one hell of an impression on him this time, for sure. The loan shark gave me a handshake and called it even between Winky and him. So with peace made, I went back to Winky to fill him in on the outcome. I pulled up in front of Winky's and found myself surrounded. I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck? I'm dead, Oh shit. Well, I'm getting out. They take me to Winky and I fill him in on everything. He couldn't believe it. Winky was so happy then. He then made me and Bear an offer to move there and work for him and some of his affiliates. We told him we'd let him know we needed a minute or two to talk it over, so we headed to the backyard. I know Bear was ready to join the gang right away. I already knew what he was up to. But I don't want to be in a gang. I don't want to be a gang member. So me and Bear decided to have me as a contract worker and Bear could be a gang member. We finished talking, headed inside and let Winky know what we decided. All three sat down and came to an agreement that worked for us all. Bear would join the gang and I would stay neutral on contract when needed We'd return to pack our stuff and tie up our loose ends, and I would stop all the drug sales. I wasn't bothering with setting someone up down. I decided I was just going to close all shop up, have a clean break from there, no ties there at all. So we made the move to Chicago. Bear moved in with a guy of Winky's gang, and I found a little apartment outside of Chicago in a small town nearby. For the first couple of years I laid low doing a couple of collections for Winky and his associates and a little bit of drug dealing to keep money flowing. One day I was walking along Michigan Avenue when I came to see the loan shark I had saved Winky's ass from. The loan shark stops me and with some small talk he then introduces me to the guy that would set me on the path. I met Tommy Caprizi, a capo in the Chicago Mafia. See, Tommy was very powerful and respected. He took me under his wing. I was put to work right away, doing collections and some bodyguard work. I proved myself right away, always doing every job to the T, never going outside the letter of the instructions that was given to me. I had gained Tommy's trust 
Me and Tommy were getting so close he considered me family, even though I wasn't a mate guy. Well, one day, I was summoned to Tommy's private social club for a sit-down. At the club, Tommy and I head to the back room. It was a back room used for talking in a heavy secured conversation area, completely free of listening devices and video recording. Tommy wasn't going down like the New York guys. No way. The FBI can get close to him. He proclaimed it all the time. The FBI would never get him with anything. Sitting in this secured room, he lets me know what is said in this room stays in this room. Then he begins to tell me. The boss of the Chicago crime family's daughter was kidnapped. The boss called everyone to stop everything and find his daughter immediately. Tommy explained the kidnappers haven't contacted the boss and he was going nuts and getting desperate. Tommy told me to just keep my eyes and ears open for anything that might help. I told Tommy that I would do that and left it at that. Then I headed out. I drove to the south side to see Bear and Winky. Pulling on to their block, I could see some of the homies don't like outsiders. I pull up in front of Winky's place, and two of his guys come out to escort me into the house. When I got inside, I told Bear and Winky I needed to talk to them, so we sat down at the kitchen table, and I explained to them what was going on and how the boss had everyone looking and they are all in panic mode. Baron Winky asked a couple of questions and then they placed a couple of phone calls. A few hours later, Winky had gotten the address and helpful info on the place and the people who had the girl. I was amazed how quickly and efficient he was at this. He even told me what to expect from the area she was being held in. I took everything in. Baird looked at me and said he's ready to go. He knew I was headed out to get her back regardless. He wasn't letting me go alone. But first, Winky took me and Baird downstairs to arm ourselves for war. Now, with machine gun and shotguns in hand, we got in the car and started heading there. Now the info was the girl was on the east side. She was taken by four young stupid guys that claimed to be members of a vice lord gang. The plan was to have a girl that Bear knows that goes between both call them and set them up to have them come out front. Here's where I'll be at the back door and Bear was going to handle who comes out the front. But before she could make the call, a dude had come out the back with door bringing a trash bag. I snuck up behind him, and as he was placing the trash in the can, I slit his throat with my knife and then dumped his body into the can and pushed him down in and covered it back over with some trash. Then I went back to the door. When I heard the phone ring in the house, that was Bear's girl. Two guys headed to the front door, and just as they opened the door, Bear gets both of them. They had no chance. By the time the shotgun blast was heard, I had entered the back door of the house looking for the girl. 
when the third guy come running to the back room where the girl was, I let him have it. I went on into the room, found the girl tied to the bed, and cut her loose. Bears bringing the car up front, I grabbed the little girl and me and her come flying out the door. We both get in and we take off for Winky's place. After we get there, I look her over for bruises and cuts. She seems to be okay besides scared shitless. Who could blame her for that though, huh? I place a call to Tommy. I inform him I had gotten the girl back and I didn't want any surprises, so I had him meet me at a cafe an hour outside of Chicago to ensure all our safety. See, with this, I wasn't taking any chances. So I had it ride five minutes ahead of everything. I made sure the parking lot got swept. I even ensured my safety a little extra by having Bear and two of Winky's guys show up, make sure the parking lot stayed secured. While me and the boss's daughter were inside, and I had ordered some ice cream for us. And I ensured her everything was safe now. She wouldn't have any problems. Everything's just fine. Now, as she was sitting there eating her ice cream and getting ready to finish it up, Tommy and her dad walk in the door, the boss of the family. I stood up and I greeted them as his daughter was running up. He checked her and hugged her and took her out to a car that was waiting for her with her mother. He sent them on their way to home and then he returned into the cafe and sat down with me and Tommy. The boss asked me what the hell happened and who they were. I filled them in on who they were, the young gangbanging punks, and how it went down. I explained how th that will never happen again and the misfortune of events for them ending up with his daughter and kidnapping her, mistaken identity of the cause. When I finished filling them in, he thanked me. He told me, I'm a friend of his. Now, my climb to power begins. Two weeks later, Tommy summons me to the social club for a meeting. This is the end of part one. Please tune in for part two in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Stories That Are Made Up, hosted by Dad from the Coffee Bar Stories Podcast. There will be a new story every two weeks. Tune in then. This has been a DTZ Entertainment Presentation.